Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, your twice-weekly podcast dedicated to celebrating the radio show turned podcast, Too Beautiful to Live in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. I'm Bobby Pape, and joining me on this beautiful Saturday morning from Kyle, Texas, it's Mike Frizzell. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Bobby. And in New Brighton, Minnesota, where I'm sure it's beautiful there as well, Anne Lundholm. Hello, Anne. It is beautiful. Hello, Bobby. We're going to do a little LRB business before your week in review, a little housekeeping, and we'll tell you how you can get involved with the show. This is a Monday recap edition of the previous week of TBTL. On Fridays, we typically bring you a chat with a 10 or someone else in the TBTL universe for a reflection on an earlier TBTL episode. But this Friday, uh, we're going to get you a Christy Jeremy wedding recap. We're going to get as many of us who are at the wedding on the line as technologically possible and we're going to look back on the wedding that was. That's why we're not talking about it now. Stay tuned for Friday, and we'll tell you all about the wedding. I will say I brought Sam with me to Seattle. We were there for the better part of a week. She survived to tell the tale and uh, doesn't hate me or any of the 10 she met. And so that's a really big plus. I heard she was a big hit. I'd like to think so. Uh, just the fact that she wasn't imaginary. Uh, <laughs> got me a lot of mileage with everybody. You were able to conjure conjure her when you needed to, finally. Exactly. I've read a lot uh, of romance novels where somebody has to pay someone to be their date. Or... Yes. <laughs> oh, clearly. Clearly, you don't realize I could never afford that. Right. Uh, Mike, you've got a Kyle story for us? <clears throat> I do. Um, I don't know. You don't live... In a um, in a community that uh, you know, it's uh, it's a subdivision, and we pay dues, and uh, there, it's it's its own neighborhood, and we we have a thing. There's a, um, I think it's, uh, I, I think it's national. It's called Next Door, and mm-hmm. it's like, are you in one of those, Anne? I'm in an association. I'm not in a Next Door. Okay. Well, the, well, the online community of the of the. Um, of the subdivision is called Next Door Kensington Trails. That's the subdivision we live in in Kyle, and it's it's comical. It's it's there are boy, so many Kyle stories could come out of Next Door Kensington Trails. But the one I'm going to tell today, there's a, a woman who's very active. I won't say her name, but she's very active on Next Door Kensington Trails. And a while back, just about when we were moving in, she was running a food drive. And there is a um, there is a ver- a new pool in the subdivision. It's very near our house because we're in the new part, and it I can't tell how many years it's been here, but it can't have been here long. And people are excited. The pool's crowded every day that it's open, but it's closed on Mondays. So the the food drive, the incentive for this food drive, were the first uh, three names picked out. Uh, from the donors, because when you donated food, you'd put your name in. The first three would get a night to themselves at the pool. So they would get the pool on Monday nights for their friends and family to have a party. So uh, the food drive goes on, and I'm barely paying attention, but uh, Emily points out to me one day that the, the food drive has ended and the winners have been selected, and this woman um, selected herself as one of the three... <laughs> winners <laughs> what are the odds <laughs> um i don't care if only three people donated food you don't win your own 
contest. You're in this, you're trying to rate. Oh, I, it made me so mad because I've run a lot of contests because I've worked in a lot of marketing promotions. And I was shaking mad at, at this uh, egregious violation. And, and get this, now she's running a back-to-school school supplies drive. <laughs> I, I was so mad I couldn't even look at what the prize was. Because I was like, whatever, what's she helping herself to this time? You know, she's going she's gonna to buy a couple pads of paper and, and a pack of pencils and treat herself to another night at the pool. Uh, what's the I'm, accounting firm that manages the Oscars and stuff? Yeah. Price Waterhouse? Price Waterhouse, yeah. Cooper, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was Price helped myself. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I'm just picturing that she's got the briefcase handcuffed to herself the whole time. <laughs> yep, right. No one said anything about it either. And I'm not going to comment. I've been on the verge of commenting on this uh, <laughs> website so many times that Emily has pulled me back from the brink. The time she had to stop me, I mean really restrain me, was uh, one, uh, one big topic is kind of since Kyle's growing like crazy – there's like, what's going in behind the Walmart or what's going in uh, on the other side of the Target? or whatever. Everyone's all curious. And I think there's some website you can go to look at and it tells you. But these dummies don't want to do that. They just want someone to tell them on next door Kensington. And I was so tempted one day. The whole discussion was, uh, what's going in behind the Walmart? And I just wanted to say, uh, I, I think it's uh, going to be the Hayes County Needle Exchange. <laughs> I just watch it burn. Uh, my guess is that this network is very closed. So for our purposes, Jamal couldn't join the next door. Oh, no. Yeah, they, they do check that you're a, a homeowner. So if Jamal could come in and just purchase a moderately priced builder home on my street, that would be what, great. Not what only a for long diversity that would sake, be but. to buy a house in the, in the name of a fake Facebook profile. <laughs> that's, a, that's a commitment. Well, it, as it, as a matter of fact, there is a next door account or whatever for my homeowners association, but I don't think that I would be allowed to join because I was on the board and there was apparently some number of malcontents who were upset with the way that things were going. And so they started a next door group. And one of our board members, who's a great guy, found out about it. And he's like, oh, I'll I'll go ahead and join that. And they rejected him. And so he tried again. And they rejected him again and sent him a note that said, will be discussed at the annual meeting. Damn. That's yeah. crazy. It should be open to any any homeowner until you well, go in there and do some crazy stuff. It was their private grievance platform oh, where they discussed okay. their tactics about how they were going to, Stick I don't know, stage, yeah, stage a coup or whatever at, oh the, at the annual meeting. And then it turned out to be ridiculous because it was <laughs> one person who was ranting about ridiculous things at the meeting and the other 50 people there were like, what are you talking about? And so she put herself forward to be on the board. And of course she didn't get elected because she was a crazy person. So that all died. And now that I'm not on the board, maybe I could get in, but I don't really want to. <laughs> no, I don't think you want to because your blood would be boiling like mine is right, right. now. I don't as need I think that. About this back to school guy, your former management. If you try to get in there with the people, right? That's never going to work. Uh, there is a next door for my neighborhood. I just, oh, okay, I'm so looking it's not right just now. new developments. It's it's just any neighborhood. <clears throat> yeah, well, apparently. Uh, but what I'm noticing is 
people in Pawtucket are pretty particular about the neighborhood they live in, and we live right on the line of Darlington, which is a, a working class neighborhood, and um, Pinecrest, which is always considered a little bit nicer. By nicer, it's really just a whole lot of little old people in their <laughs> mid-century houses who are probably too old to use the internet. So I'm imagining if they just made it Pinecrest, there would be nobody in the next door group. Mm-hmm. But what they've done is they've split. There would be dark- a lot of just forwards. One joke just forwards <laughs> right. over and over and over. Right. Uh, they've, they've made it North Darlington, and they've looped us in with sort of the top half of the Darlington neighborhood. And so I think I might have to join just to object to calling me a Darlington person. I mean, if I look out the window of my office, I'm looking at Darlington. But, you know, we were very careful to live in Pinecrest. Well, people are really, I mean, in, it's that way kind of in Austin, too. You say you live in this neighborhood or whatever, and people kind of look askance at you like, you don't really, you know, you're kind of, come <laughs> on, guys. It's all going to be the same in 10 years anyway. Yeah. All right. Uh, continuing on business until I figure out a way to infiltrate the Kensington Trails next door. Uh, I want to... <laughs> We want to take a minute to thank some donors to Little Red Bandwagon. Uh, the best thing we ever did to encourage people to donate to Little Red Bandwagon was not promote the fact that we were accepting donations to Little Red Bandwagon. <laughs> they just started happening. Uh, yes, it's on our website, littleredbandwagon.com. And we have a few donors from the last week or so that we want to thank. And that is uh, Michael Farnan, uh, Farnan, Farnan, F-A-R-N-A-N of Los Angeles, Uh Lauren Castelli, our favorite Lauren in Jacksonville, and someone we don't think we've ever met, Sandy Burnett in Georgia. So, Michael, Lauren, and Sandy, thank you. And Sandy, drop us a line. We'd love to hear who you are, because we know who the other two of you are. This Um, isn't whack-a-mole. We're not going to hurt you. (laughs) Yeah. We just, we appreciate the support. Uh, It means a lot. Thank Uh, you. When when we started this little thing up, uh, really, when when Mike and Christy started this little thing up, uh, they and Jeremy basically just paid out of pocket for the web hosting and the site and the Squarespace account and all these different things that make us go. And uh, we're slowly getting out of jams, thanks to donors like Michael, Sandy, and Lauren. Right. And speaking of getting out of jams, we don't have this set up yet because we just thought of it two minutes before we started recording, but... uh, we think we're going to put Anne in charge of the official LRB jam tracker. Uh, and so as soon as we total up the recent donations and and all that, we'll let you know how many jams the LRB community has gotten us out of and the yep. average number of jams per donor and all those good things. The, the rate be standard rate being $25 per jam. Obviously, because a couple of jams for 50 bucks. Right. <laughs> I'm I think on you it. get a break at some point, you know, like if you get out of... You you have twenty jams. You could get a little cost break, no. way, but it doesn't work that way with the jams. No, you're not you're not picking up your jams at Costco. No, no chub pack of of jam relief. <laughs> Is anybody else having like a spaceballs flashback right now? I think it's just you, Ann. I don't know what you're okay. talking about. Uh, and before you know, we the, start- the radar is getting jammed, and it's a giant jar of jam that's hitting the side of the ship. You no, know, just me. Yeah, child, yeah. child of the '80s. Okay. It's a lot of jams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a big jam. But it's still only $25. Still just jams. $25, no matter what the size of the jam. Uh, and one other shout out. I know he'll never hear this, but we just re uh, uh, 
reconnected the cable that we cut a couple of years ago when we moved into this house. And Tony from Verizon Fios showed up yesterday for our free installation troubleshooting, uh, fixed what needed to be fixed in about five minutes, and then spent the next two hours helping me wire the entire house for free. So, uh, Tony, thank you. And with that, we'll go to our week in review. Uh, and you're going to get us kicked off with Monday. Monday, 2175, Internet Dads. And Stu, the Stubot Newman, is co-hosting our buddy Stu. Um, his voice is home to me. I just mm-hmm. got to say it. <laughs> uh, Stu is very tired this morning, this afternoon, because he took Piper to the Five Seconds of Summer concert last night. Uh, he did not go to the concert. He just dropped her off and then hung around and picked her up afterwards. And we talk a very um, short amount of time about Five Seconds of Summer, the Australian pop punk boy band group and their hit, Hey Everybody. Inspired by Dr. Nick Riviera. <laughs> yeah. And they play a little clip uh, and comment that it sounds just like Duran Duran, Hungry Like the Wolf, which it does. And I looked it up and Duran Duran has a writing credit on that oh, song because really? I couldn't figure out why they wouldn't sue them because it's so blatant and nope they got a credit so yeah I think every every 30 years you can just dust off a, a catchy song and just do it yourself as long as you have permission and then it can be a hit all over again because the adults yeah. are just too tired to get mad about <laughs> it you know well and I'm sure that the Duran Duran people uh, the band their management whatever they're all happy to get 12% of the proceeds of mm-hmm. Hey everybody for doing <laughs> Hey everybody for doing no work at all. <laughs> hey, when did this uh sorry Aiden bullshit of parents taking kids to concerts start? What well, this is an indulgence of a magnitude that that I was nowhere near as a child. Uh when I was in high school, uh I I distinctly remember going to Darien Lake the amusement park about halfway between Rochester and Buffalo, New York, which has sort of an outdoor amphitheater where you either pay to sit in a seat or you pay a little bit less to sit on essentially a pile of straw that's been thrown over mud for the summer. Uh, And we went to see actually Counting Crows and John Mayer. So it was a whole lot of weed followed by a really drunk John Mayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I believe six or seven of us went and I was going because my girlfriend wanted to go and who was I to say no uh, and one of the moms of one of the girls in her group of friends drove all of us in like an RV uh. and then sat in the RV and watched TV all night and then we came back out and she drove us all home that's nice that's so I, nice I think her. that's actually sort of a semi-typical thing because we needed a ride but She's not going to pay for a ticket to come in, and she doesn't give a shit about seeing County Crows and John Mayer. Hmm. I, I guess when I got to go to stuff when I was a kid, it was because my mom wanted to go to the play or my dad wanted to go to the game. It, right. it wasn't like, hey, I want to go to the game, and my dad drove me down there and sat outside the key arena while I watched the Sonics <laughs> game. He would have never, ever done anything like that I mean, I and think, he wasn't a bad parent it's just that wasn't a thing i think we were like 15 when that story happened 15 or 16 and so some yeah. people had permits but driving late at night um you know but piper's much younger than that so you know kids are clearly maturing faster 
at Piper's age, actually, I was. I think I went to my first concert around that age, and I wanted to ask you guys what your first concert was because I think mine will surprise you. Go ahead, Ann. We're going to be clickbaity. Uh, <laughs> honestly, I've never been a big concert goer, but I did go to see Savage Garden once. Not because I wanted to see Savage Garden. I think I was interested in the local opening act. In fact, I think we left about twenty minutes into the Savage Garden show because it was so lame. <laughs> That's about All right. it. All right. Uh, mine was uh, ZZ Top, and my nice. brother and uh, his friends took me. And I, I did like ZZ Top. I, was, I think I was 13, maybe. And uh, because I was a kid, they, put, they gave me the weed to hide, and I put it in my <laughs> Texas Rangers baseball cap. I had a nice fitted cap, which fit right in with the ZZ Top theme. <laughs> and I put it in the band of the cap, and... I guess I took my cap off at some point on while on the journey to the concert and on the way in and put it back on and lost the weed. Oh, Mike. <sighs> yeah. Your one job. Right. But fortunately, <laughs> our tickets were shitty enough that we were up top and everybody you just got was contact super high. high anyway. <laughs> Did ZZ Top do the guitar spinning thing? No, they, that was before they... Um, started doing that. This was like maybe two or three albums into their career. It wasn't yet like the video era where they did mm-hmm. they did the pointing and the <laughs> spinning guitars and all that stuff. And their beards were only like halfway down their chests. <laughs> yeah, the guy named Beard had no beard, and the other two bearded guys. Yeah, it was it was only kind of uh, it was only kind of halfway Portland beard at that point for those guys. Uh, my first concert. Uh, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the show before, but when I was growing up, my grandmother listened to a lot of country music. And so as a result, I listened to and thought I loved a lot of country music. And I understand why as a child, I loved a lot of terrible early 90s country music. And that's because uh, a child can process that. There's no depth. Right. <laughs> you know, new, so. new country is really accessible for chi- <laughs> children and dummies. Right, you're going to spell out every last thing yeah. uh, with with no thought needed. So that's great for a child. Uh, but my first concert, at my insisting, was a Garth Brooks concert. Oh yeah, mm, okay, He's not terrible. He writes a good pop song. I'll say yeah. that. Yeah. Well, this so I was probably uh, so this would have been the late '90s, mid to late '90s. I was probably 11 years old or something. And I saw that he was coming to Syracuse, but an hour and a half from Rochester. And I insisted that we go, and I begged. And my mother drove me to the Carrier Dome uh, to buy tickets the day they went on sale because it was the 90s. And you waited yep. in line and bought the tickets. And then we went back, and I believe I bought a an 8x10 glossy with like the pre-printed autograph on it Ooh. when I was there and everything. And that lived in a frame for years somewhere in my stuff. Did you ever put it up like at college or? No, <laughs> no, there was no room left after Janine Garofalo. No, uh, I, I think somewhere along high school, I, I, sh- I shedded that from my identity and my history. Right. right. Uh, but yeah, Garth Brooks, I insisted I wanted to go. I really, yeah, really wanted to go. Not a bad artist. And, and he, he has a pretty good juice diet from what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> he, he did go up and down a lot. Yeah. Uh, and this was uh, pre Chris Gaines. So, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, we, we we saw them before they were stars. 
<laughs> anyway, thank you for letting me take that tangent. Sure. Right. So Stu is now a web correspondent for The Splendid Table. He's doing a piece on new craft breweries, I understand. And I feel like we're sort of at peak brewery right. in this country. He went down to New Ulm, Minnesota, uh, which is the home of Shell's Brewery, which is really old school. And he saw the Herman the German statue, which is a thing. Um, he's got some other talk. Uh, they have some nostalgic talk about Nye's Polonaise Room, the bar that Luke and Andrew and Stu and some other people spent a magical night in, St. Patrick's Day. And there's a lot of Nye's nostalgia for a place that they only went to one time. <laughs> is is uh, that the place that's closing? Yes, it is closed. Oh, okay. I mean, oh, it was open. Now. It was open. I don't know, sixty, seventy years or something, and then, mm-hmm. you know, gentrification and development and all that good stuff, and it's it's closed. But the gold booth in which they sat is now at a place called the Viking Bar, where Stu sang "Steal My Sunshine" at karaoke, and we know that he loves that song. It's never been my favorite, but I think I'm starting to love it because Stu loves it. <laughs> and there's some talk about very large bologna sandwiches. No, thanks. <laughs> no? <laughs> no. I mean, I'll eat it, but it's, I would never order it. Uh, no, that's me a, neither. That's a classic buffalo thing, actually. Fried bologna with onions. Uh, if you're at a bar, I'm specifically thinking of the Old Pink, which is a divey, divey shit bar with no sign out front. Uh, three in the morning. Sure. Fried bologna sounds amazing. They don't even have a menu. They just have some fried bologna. Oh, yeah. If I started smelling it, I would eat. I would totally eat it. But I'm not, it's not destination food for me, a fried bologna sandwich. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever had one. That's not anything we had in my house growing up. My mother was far too particular about lunch meats to go for any kind of bologna. Yeah, head cheese only. <laughs> yes, exactly. And um, so... Go ahead. I was just going to say, beyond the food, I just didn't want to miss over the part about Stu and his dad friends singing Steal My Sunshine (laughs) at karaoke. Yes. Um, Which, when we did the Friday summer uh, music episode with Stu, he told us it was a one-two tie, and he wasn't sure which one was on top between (laughs) Steal My Sunshine and Baker Street for Ultimate Song of Summer and All Seasons. Oh, Baker Street is harder to sing, I think. I mean, yeah. it's more of an instrumental piece. Yeah. Well, I don't think you meant for karaoke. I just think you meant in life. In general? All yeah. Right. I think it depends on if you're pro-sax solo or anti-sax solo. Uh, who's anti-sax solo? Uh, right here. What? Yeah. It reminds me of an era of terrible music. Although that's a good song. There was a time in music where you had to have a sax solo in every song. And it was a pretty terrible era. So it, it just takes me back to a, a lesser time, even though it's a good song in and, in and of itself. I'm anti-sax. So I'm <sighs> well, we know every, how you feel Think about every it. George Michael song you ever heard. <laughs> oh, don't be talking about George Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Shit's going down. <laughs> back to Steal My Sunshine, a note that I didn't get to put into that Friday show that I meant to. There's two versions of that song. There's the radio single, which just jumps right into the drop beat and then the song... But the album version has like a long talking intro, and the last line in it is just, well, does he like butter tarts? Which I wanted to bring up, A, because it's a great reminder just how Canadian Len, the band, is. (laughs) 
and B, because I love butter tarts and nobody makes butter tarts. And will you make me butter tarts? Sure. I've never heard of butter ne- tarts. Neither have I. What? But that's, a, that's a blind take right there. Oh. Uh, yeah. Butter tarts are, are basically like uh, little pecan pies without the nuts. They're just the sugar goo butter part. Oh, I can get behind that. Yeah. All right. So, Anne, work on some butter tarts recipes. I'll send you Lots some. Lots of assignments for Anne this week. <laughs> All right. I'm on it. I'm on it. All right. Uh, so, continuing on the bologna theme, uh, <laughs> this takes Andrew uh, back to memories of taking one tank trips and a book about one tank trips that uh, they had as a kid and going to a place that had the world's biggest bologna sandwiches and that'll come up later in the week i know i i love the idea of the one tank trips and that they had this book and they would look in it and and go do it uh i think there's probably there are probably a million websites now that do that kind of thing but i mean it's kind of kind of cool but i was thinking that there could be like a um a takeoff on that and that would be Anything that was within walking distance of your house and call it one tanked trip because you're going to get so <laughs> wasted that you can't drive. And I always thought that there should be a takeoff on the Mike Hammer detective series called Mike Hammered, where this guy, <laughs> he just can't solve anything because he's just always just wasted. So, uh, so let me clarify this one tanked thing. You can drive there, but you have to sure. walk back. Right. You got to Uber it back back okay. home i guess yeah yeah walking distance and then yeah you can get home you know you don't have to stumble home that, that could end badly for you oh the buffalo news has something called one tank trips and i wonder if it's a copyright infringement for that title now because every week in their weekend magazine section they run a they run like a little column on this and they pick a different thing and it's it's a stringer column so a lot of guest people will write on it and i remember when i was there you could make like a a pretty quick 60 bucks doing that. You could get out of, you know, 2.3 something jams by writing one of these columns. <laughs> yeah, the uh, one tank trip, if you use the car that Emily bought a couple of years ago, the illegal Volkswagen, um, the big selling point is that you can, with that car, go like 760 miles <laughs> with one tank of gas. So. <laughs> If you have her car, uh, the book could be encyclopedic. I think that's a letter of the law versus spirit of the law. Yeah. What's right. the um, What's the train company that always does underwriting on NPR and talks about how far they get on one gallon of fuel? Oh, yeah. You could, <laughs> you could get a, across the country if Amtrak counted as a one-tank trip. Sure. All right. Moving on to the top story for the day. Song of the Summer Scandal. Health of the Naw is out, and Alaska by Maggie Rogers is in, owing to those unfortunate homophobic lyrics. Whoops. Mm. Um, Stu says he only wants to pay attention to one Alaskan singer, and that's Jewel. And Andrew tells a story about being in high school and how he passed on an opportunity to see Jewel before she was Jewel, because he was not into it or felt too cool for it. And the thing I want to say is that he said this was in an area of Cleveland called Coventry. It's actually in 
Cleveland Heights, and I lived in Coventry when I was in college. And as best as I can figure out the timeline, we wouldn't have ever been there at the same time because we graduated from high school in the same year. So he would have gone off to Kent State by mm-hmm. the time I arrived. But um, I lived there, and I don't remember there being a Starbucks there, but there was a place called Arabica Coffee, and it was one of those kind of scuzzy coffee houses with a performance space and a sort of like a semi plaza outside where what I thought were the cool kids all hung out and smoked and skateboarded. Although now I know that it was Andrew, I may have to revise that (laughs) thinking a little bit. I love shitty coffee shops like that. (laughs) But it's definitely the kind of place where a pre-famous jewel would have played. So I enjoyed that idea of like ships passing in the night between Andrew and myself. Mm -hmm. Could you call her a jewel in the rough? You could, but I would not. My only other jewel note goes back to the fact that we just got cable back yesterday. When we had cable a few years ago before we moved into this house, uh, one of these stupid mindless TV shows we would put on to pass time when we were between seasons of Murder, She Wrote was Alaska, The Last Frontier. Just this story of a family that's sort of roughing it in Alaska, only not really because in real life they actually run like a touristy destination for people who want to see what it's like to rough it. Uh, But uh, that whole family is Jules' family. Oh. Yeah, they don't talk about her a lot, but that whole family, it's the Kilcher family, uh, that's Jules' family. (laughs) Like, she left, and the rest of them started this reality TV empire in Alaska. So the whole thing about how she was homeless living in her car in L.A.? Doesn't seem to jive with that very well. Well, that must be maybe after she left Alaska. I guess. But she's totally related to all of them. And I don't, maybe it's only because there's only one family in Alaska. I don't know. (laughs) I think we have at least one listener from Alaska. So maybe I'll hear about this. But um, it's sort of like the little known fact, the open secret about that family. They don't talk about their super famous rich relative, Jewel. I probably wouldn't either. Yeah. Get a little little privacy going on continuing on the song of the summer uh there apparently is no song of the summer this year according to many different news articles and (laughs) oh you mean the actual song yes okay yeah the the zeitgeist song of the summer not the tbtl song of the summer and andrews do talk about that a little while and they talk about there are still happy songs even in tough years and that's about as far as that discussion goes but we do get a little gem at this point where Stu confides that he hates it when luke eats on the air and andrew did not like it uh last week when luke said he was doing the show naked yeah that bothers him (laughs) which is totally understandable uh skydiver jumped twenty five thousand feet without a parachute on purpose And Andrew is irritated at people doing death-defying things like this. Uh, They talk about uh, Evil Knievel and all his uh, broken bones and what was the point of this. And I want to say, if you are jumping 25,000 feet out of uh, a plane, why are you bothering with a helmet? Because if something goes wrong, you're dead anyway. If you miss the net, what does it matter? This is the classic kamikaze pilot question, isn't it? I guess so. I guess it 
open corpse is still in open <laughs> casket is still open in cast. play. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Mike, do you want to take a minute to shake your fist at this skydiver? I well, it goes back to the larger point that I've made before is like people doing look at me things that we have to clean up after. I'm, mm. You know, screw that. Do your look at me thing, but I don't. I don't want to have to have you know the cops and the ambulances and everyone come out to clean up after your bullshit stunt. Coast Guard, you know, <laughs> mountain rescue teams, helicopters. Fuck you. Just sorry, Aiden. Um, just do your ice bucket challenge on and and look, put it online, and that can be <laughs> enough for you today. Look at me, guy. Andrew and Stu are right that it was a big deal in the 70s. It was more than just evil Knievel, right? It seemed like yeah. that sort of thing was going on all the time. Lots of guys jumping over buses. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you do it because it's there. Isn't that what they said about Everest? Yeah. <clears throat> and my favorite Stu quote of the day about evil Knievel was, I don't think it ended well that often. <laughs> No. Yeah. You end up with a massive painkiller addiction. Well, good. Yeah. So what you're saying is he should have had a podcast later. <laughs> well, that would be interesting <laughs> if he could remember anything. That's good. Maybe that's why you wear the helmet. Four. Four is a good number for reusable shopping bags. <laughs> right? Um, yeah. Four-ish. They're out of control in, te- in, in Austin because they, they, banned, they banned the plastic bags. And yeah. Most of the supermarkets don't want to give you the paper bags because it costs them. Right. So like the regular supermarkets like H-E-B, you have to buy their bags for like 10 cents or 25 cents. And you inevitably forget them on one of your trips a month. And then you have to buy two more or three more. And we have a trunk, two trunks really, if we stopped squishing them down full of these stupid bags. <laughs> Luckily, we're back in Kyle now where they destroy the environment and just give you all the plastic bags you need. Yeah, yeah, we're we're time. full on bags here in Minnesota. They'll give you whatever you want. Yeah, good. Uh, good. Our children's children are going to watch American Beauty and have no idea <laughs> what the hell is going on. <laughs> I'm looking around my office right now. I see four reusable bags, mm-hmm. counting an IKEA bag. They are part of the tapestry of our yeah cluttered lives now. Yeah, hmm. I have uh, one. Can, yeah, how, you don't need it. How do you shop? No ban yet. Because they give me bags, Bobby. Yeah, and then you just throw <laughs> you throw them away. They give you the disposable. Yeah, bags. No, I know. They uh, give me paper bags, and I just I use them for recycling and yep. recycle them. And yep. yeah. there you go. I think with that we can go to Tuesday twenty one seventy six. A pastiche of homages. Uh, we're at Cairo Radio, where the Ace of Mace, Aaron Mason, is filling in for Andrew Walsh, while Andrew Walsh fills in for Luke Burbank, um, and. He's been given permission to spread out the plugs for all of his various wares. Uh, you can go back to listen <laughs> to Tuesday's like show. Sounds like for- <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. All those plugs. But the big news in the world of this Cairo Radio studio is that there are half pints of chocolate milk just stacked up outside the door to the studio. I would have taken care of that post-haste. <laughs> <laughs> why don't you just pick one up and drink it? Yeah. I don't know why you wouldn't just drink uh, garbage milk. Why not? <laughs> hey, if the expiration's good and it's and it's cold, I'm drinking it. But is it cold? It's we take it's it inside. August. What are you just leaving perfectly good chocolate milk outside? So if you put some chocolate milk outside here, first of all, I would save it from the bugs immediately, and then I would chill <laughs> it down and drink it. 
because I'm a child. It's pasteurized, right? Yeah, it'll be fine. It's fine. Yeah. The, we used to have, when I was a child, we used to have milk delivered to our house. It was a style at the time. Sure. And the glass bottles, right? And the we didn't get the glass belt. bottles, but yeah, that was a, that was a thing. Um, we had a milk box, and I would sit on that milk box and um, wait for sunrise sometimes, so I could go throw the baseball against the the outdoor gym wall. Um, I just, you know, every two two times a week you get milk and it's outside, so it's not that strange a thing. Just Mm-mm. pick it up, bring it inside, chill it down, and drink it. I What's like that you? you were the inspiration for that scene from The Great Escape. <laughs> I'm not familiar. What? Nope. Never seen the great. When he's movie. in the hole and he's just somebody tosses him a baseball in the glove and he's sitting in there in solitary and he's just throwing Steve McQueen just throwing the baseball against the wall at himself for like days. No, I I love Steve McQueen, but I've never seen that movie. All right. Well, that's your homework for this episode. Go watch the great. Wait, when I get down there, we'll get drunk and watch the Great Escape. It sounds great. I like it. But really, good. you're you're gonna drink the garbage milk? Yes. It's it's in a package. Bobby. It's in a it's in a it's in a cardboard container. We're not exactly talking like hermetically sealed. And you're the tiebreaker here. Would you take that milk inside, chill it down, and drink it? No, I would not. Okay, you would. But if you did it, I wouldn't think that you were weird for doing it. Why I would not be aghast? Why do people keep walking by it? That's what I. <laughs> because it's not their job to clean up the garbage at Cairo. That's, That's the- not garbage milk. That's delivery milk. I, it's piled in a dirty looking corner. Did you not see the picture? Yes. Can you not like, rinse off a closed package and it's it's delivery milk specifically for the corner where people probably smoke right outside the mm. studio. No, you have to be twenty five feet away from the door. Oh, because I've seen people enforce that all the time. <laughs> well, all right, uh, Andrew is voting on deadline. At least as usual. At least he's voting. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get some Joseph talk. Uh, as I've mentioned before, Aaron is a big champion of the band Joseph on his show, The um, Grapes of Something. And uh, he uh, has had them on the show and has been promoting them for a long time. And so he lobbied them for Son of the Summer. Uh, that is one place where Aaron and I agree. Uh, they talk a little bit about the show Stranger Things, which I still have not watched, guys. I started. I'm two and a half episodes in. I'm not loving it, but... I like it enough to keep watching it. Uh, Emily and I watched the first episode the other night, and uh, not that impressed. But uh, we're going to give it at least one more. We may because it, everybody's watching it. I want it. It's the kind of thing that I want to mm-hmm. watch just to so I know what people are talking about. But um, just something that bothered me about it is because I grew up in the era that this movie is portraying. Um, the characterizations of people and the way they're acting during that time are just, they're, they're not landing with me. And, and Emily's just a few years younger than me, and, and she's agreeing on that. But what I think they're actually going for is not not uh, n- not exactly period detail, but period detail about the movies, period detail mm-hmm. from the movies that were coming mm-hmm. out at that time. Like, you know, sassy kids and, and grumpy adults and... Um, it's just, it doesn't ring very true, but I, I don't think that's what they're going for, but that's not helping me enjoy it. And also Winona Ryder plays Winona Ryder again, <laughs> right. which has bothered me since the beginning of Winona Ryder. 
I knew that would be a problem for you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so maybe this won't be your go-to source of all things Stranger Things. Uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see if the other half of our cast has been watching it more than we have. Uh, one show that I do enjoy, though it's been a while, uh, they're apparently watching some Cheers in the Walsh household. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Better than Empty Nest. Yes. Tell you that. And Andrew realizes that he is now older than the early season character, at least the character in his early season, Sam Malone. Sam Mayday Malone. Mm-hmm. Retired baseball. Player. That's right. Um, you know, I, I don't know if this is, I don't know how accurate this is or if this is just apocryphal, but apparently the early drafts of Cheers had the character slated as a former football player. And then they saw Ted Danson and they were right. like, he looks like a baseball player and they made it mm-hmm. a baseball story. Yeah, you couldn't buy him as a football player. He's too lanky. Right. Nope. Uh, my highlight of the week was getting a nice burn on Andrew because he <laughs> tested this joke out on Twitter, I think, before he said it on the show, saying that he realized he was older than Ted Danson's character. And I said that I always thought he was more of a Becker anyway. Oh. <laughs> so, Good pull. Yeah. Uh, there's a new Cairo podcast called uh, Fight. Which uh, Aaron plugs is one of his plugs. It's about MMA fighting. Uh, there's been a podcast for a long time by one of our friends from over at uh, uh, Stack of Dimes called Kicking and Zubas, which I suggest you check out before you check out Fight, if it's still a thing. I don't know. I tried to listen to one episode of Kicking and Zubas, and I had no idea what the hell they were talking about. Yeah. Uh, top story, flossing. Not proven to be a good thing. Still going to do it? Yeah. Mike? Um, I do not floss and there's a reason um i happen to have shrek like hands and a small small mouth so uh, uh, eventually eventually uh a dental hygienist took pity on me many years ago and gave me a very nice uh dental pick that i use to do the same thing massage my gums and clean up between my teeth and she just I, I I never I don't think I ever said it, but we were talking about flossing and then like she's she's like, you know your mouth is really really small <laughs> you know and I'm like and I kind of held up my hands she goes yeah that's that's got to be really tough I said, yeah <laughs> I can get like the front three or four <laughs> and that's it and so she's yeah well this will work really good and she gave me this thing and it, it's worked out great. But I'm not against flossing. I just can't, <laughs> personally can't do much of it. Uh, I use the floss picks, and I can't imagine using regular floss anymore. It's like a revolution yeah. in our household. <laughs> uh, because just the wrapping around your fingers and, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's like I'm going to strangle the tips of my fingers to clean out my teeth. <laughs> so, Yeah, Cullen uses those. The floss mm-hmm. picks are great. Yeah. Uh, I have to bring this up. As the official murder, she wrote correspondent of Little Red Bandwagon. Uh, the guys are not sure if she's an aunt or not. And my question is, how many episodes of Murder She Wrote have they really watched? <laughs> because I would say one in three episodes of Murder She Wrote revolves around one of her nieces or nephews mm-hmm. running into town and then somehow getting tangled up in a controversy and a murder. And most prominently, her dopey nephew Grady, who shows up all the damn time. His entire life is an arc in the show Murder, She Wrote over 12 seasons. So, of course, she's an aunt. 
Of course she is. I feel bad for Grady. His friends just keep getting picked off and murdered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one by one. And he gets tangled up with really terrible people all the time because he's just too naive to realize it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, email from one tank about the one tank trip guy. He is still alive despite a misleading uh, subheader on his website and uh, is still tripping. Like Meredith. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Who's had a really great week in the liberal state of Washington. Uh, Andrew is shuffling papes. Uh, excuse me. A- uh, Aaron is shuffling papes and does not, I think, fully understand why that offends me. <sighs> Who has time to say papers? <laughs> and uh, uh, we get an email from a listener who's not sure what to name her baby boy uh, they have a familial name Henry uh, recent friend relatively distant friend named her baby Henry and they don't want to cause issues there uh, and my advice is to name your baby Henry and to tell your friend to go fuck herself or Henri mm-hmm. with an eye. <laughs> <laughs> But do be aware uh, uh, that there's there's going to be three kids in that baby's kindergarten that are named Henry. Right. So if you're okay with that, do it. Because yeah. Henry is big these days. And he's going to need to ha- grow a beard immediately. It's okay, because as long as you teach him how to be a hand-clappy, boot-stompy kid, he'll be fine. <laughs> Boy, did that get under some skin. <laughs> uh, and this is the conversation where Aaron Mason, uh, whose name... Uh, is both a firsty firster name in that it is two first names and both of them are dumb makes fun of Aiden as a name well I take this very seriously (laughs) Aiden is both our youngest and one of our most loyal listeners yeah this Uh, is personal Aiden Aiden is in our clan and and Aaron had no idea what he was stepping in until he learned (laughs) the wrath of the internet uh, but, Anne, I'll let you pick that up right there. Uh, yes, Wednesday, 2177, Milk He Wrote. That's a great title. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I agree, but okay. So what you're saying, uh, Bobby, is milk is murder. Those, that milk would have killed me if I had partaken in Depending on how long it had been sitting out in a <laughs> semi-porous container in the sun. Yes. Semi-porous. <laughs> it's got that wax coating on the inside. Yeah. It's fine. Dip, yeah. How it was really quite warm when I was in Seattle. It could be uh, chocolate pudding by the time you open that. My mom used to leave her milk out on the counter from 6 a.m. until the time she went to bed to put in her coffee. So my family has a lactose tolerance (laughs) (laughs) to the greatest degree. Did it start frozen? So you talk about the milk box, but I know a lot of times when they deliver milk, it it can come... Yeah, it comes very cold, and you put it in an insulated box. No, our, our milk box was not insulated, so I think I I have a super immunity to <laughs> turned milk. <laughs> well, uh, next time you're in Seattle, swing by Cairo and check for chocolate yogurt sitting mm. out. I'll eat it. <laughs> Sounds goddamn delicious. Sorry, and I apologize. <laughs> let's let's continue. Let's set aside the great LRB milk controversy of 2016. <laughs> uh, Aaron Mason is back as co-host today, and they immediately start talking about the fallout over uh, his thoughtless comments about the name Aiden yesterday, uh, including a good burn from LRB. Uh, That was Christy, just saying. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he knows that he needs to be careful with the tens because we are a very 
fervent fan group and very protective of our people, not just Luke and Andrew, but also of awesome people like Aiden. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they move into something that I thought was very interesting. Uh, there have been a few um, comments that have been perceived or have been negative directed uh, about Andrew. I should say not directed to Andrew, but about Andrew on the Stens page. And so he is questioning um, what's his role on the Stens page? Should he be participating in it? Is it is it a place for the fans? Is it a place where he should... Uh, be involved, or should he just walk away? But he knows that he can't see criticism and ignore it. And I have been thinking about this for a long time, because things do get said on the Stens page that I think, oh, come on now, guys. And so I actually did a very unusual thing for me. I sent him an email about it. Mm. And I just That's not wanna... like you, Anne. You do no, not, it's not you're not like a reacher-outer. Nope, nope. So I, I'm i much more articulate when I've had 45 minutes to think about an email. So I'm just going to read a little bit of okay. what I sent to him. Uh, as you said, TBTL has a unique and very involved relationship with its listeners. And having a two-way conversation has always been an essential part of its DNA. I think it's important for you to participate directly in fan discussions, especially since Luke has more or less abdicated any responsibility in that arena. No judgment. As to your thin skin, I don't think yours is any thinner than the average person. What Aaron said about a thousand positive comments being negated by a single negative one is true for us all, I think. There's a place for respectful criticism. I disagree with commenters who just want the Stens page to be sweetness and light and fawning adoration, because you and Luke are lovely, flawed people who deserve the occasional eye roll as do I. But people can be so thoughtless and inartful in their expression that it's impossible not to take things personally. So that's more or less how I feel about it. I think that people forget, maybe, that Andrew is going to see these things and uh, just blah out their yeah. reaction onto the page. And I, th- I think that we should be able to say I didn't like that but I think that we have to take care and not make it personal right. and uh, comments about his personal life decisions are not cool no. and I think I'm aware of the um, the irony of us being here on this podcast where we talk about their lives and we do sometimes criticism uh, criticize them but I think that uh, as we say you can't tell tone on the internet and I hope mm-hmm. that we make it clear that uh, we are affectionate and loving and perhaps teasing. And I think you can't tell that on the internet. So I do want Andrew to be a part of this. And he does need to toughen up a little bit. But I think it also behooves us to uh, remember to be respectful. What you said about people not being aware that he's going to see it, I think that has come uh, into effect the last couple times people have mm-hmm. you know stepped over the line is like Andrew will come in and and either defend himself or throw me under the bus to help himself out <laughs> or something like that and then they'll go like uh-oh <laughs> I didn't mean for him to see that and then they'll start apologizing and uh so w- I guess we all need to be a little more sensitive on the front end so we don't end, end up having to apologize on the back I think there's another important reminder here and this actually goes to us too we don't have a a little red bandwagon group like the Stens group, we have a page 
and it's been discussed many times how pages make it harder to interact, you know, both ways more because of the way things post. Uh, mm-hmm. But even in comments, you know, we are also a podcast. We are also open to criticism. But just like Luke and Andrew, we are also people. <laughs> and so when people say things about Luke and Andrew or about TBTL or about us, everyone should be prepared for the fact that everyone else is going to see what they wrote. And if you say something, expect a response being a possibility. You know, if you're going to shit all over Andrew on the Stens page, of course, Andrew has the right and option to respond to that. Uh, and same for us, because uh, this has come up recently with us. Um, we're we're going to clarify or we're going to make our point. And if we think what you're saying is unreasonable, we're going to tell you. So, like, just remember, it's not an empty chamber. I think the Internet makes people feel entitled and more brazen than they would be face to face with someone. And that's really ridiculous. Like, I don't think I've ever said anything on this show I wouldn't say to Andrew and Luke in person. No, absolutely not. And we love them very much. And so even when we're criticizing them, they know that what we're saying is our honest feedback about the show and that we want to make the show a great thing. It's going to be the best show, guys. We're going to make it the best possible (laughs) show. And I think that we should remember that this is a product that they are making and we are consumers. And I think that our feedback, our honest feedback about how we feel is valuable, and they want to put out the best product that they can, right? So if they're doing something that's annoying everybody or whatever it may be, I think that we should be able to express that. Yeah. So I guess my point is for the internet, if you're going to put it on the Stens page, make sure that it's something you would say to Luke and Andrew in person without feeling like a douchebag. If you're going to post something to the LRB page, make sure it's something you would say to any one of us who host LRB. And if you're going to post something on Yelp, make sure it's something you would say to the guy who just made your hero. <laughs> I think I, I'm getting a little ahead of myself now. I think so. Uh, and to sort of, I guess, um, put a cap on this particular subject, Aaron says that he knows that he is a strong flavor. He compares himself to licorice and says that maybe a lot of people don't like licorice, but the people that do really love it. And I think that's, um, that's a good thing to be self-aware like that. Mm-hmm. So There's they move s- in. Small group mm-hmm. of people out there who love arsenic. <laughs> yeah, but they don't love it for long. I love chocolate milk. <laughs> yes. Yes. Aaron is the, is the warm, ripe chocolate milk of podcast. <laughs> Uh, moving in I, on, I want to mention that uh, Andrew makes the comments, we've got the shuffling papes, and Aaron says, what's up, Bobby? This has been an ongoing feud between us on Twitter all week. And again, he knows I'm upset. I'm just not entirely sure he understands why. <laughs> I think so. I think he does. Uh, I hesitate to reopen this <laughs> delicate subject. <laughs> But the four chocolate milk cartons from yesterday are still there. Now, now you throw them out. Yep. But do something. If you see something. <laughs> do something? Do something. Mike, Whether it's uh, drink it or throw it away. Here's, don't just shuffle by it every day. It invites, it invites uh, vermin. Here's my point. Yesterday, you said drink it. Today, you say it's probably time to throw it out. How do because, you think- Wait, Bobby. I'm waiting. I would... 
inquire as to how long the chocolate milk had been there the first day I came. And if it was fresh to the doorstep at the time of day he was coming, it was still savable. But because it's been warm in Seattle, the next day, if you get the same chocolate milks, those got to go. Right. No. You've got to do something about this. Don't just talk about it. Well, I understand, though, but how do you know it's – how do you know it's those chocolate milks and how do you know how long they've been there on day one? <laughs> Are people really keeping that close to track on the – because apparently the expiration dates have been changing. So there's yes. clearly – there's a system in place here. This is a dead drop for some chocolate milk for someone. <laughs> this Andrew is nothing did. that an investigation couldn't <laughs> uncover. Yes, Andrew put on his Colombo trench coat and sniffed around and asked some questions and found out that last week there were still four chocolate milk cartons, but they had different expirations. So they were different. So somebody has a plan. Mm -hmm. So maybe we should just keep our noses out of this and not be Jessica Fletcher's nephew in this particular. Grady Grady would drink the chocolate milk. There's no doubt in my mind. (laughs) So he'd give some to his friend who would die. Yeah, yeah. All right, the TBTL Athon water bottles and lunch boxes are on their way, people. They oh, are for delayed. God's sake. Why don't they get a jump on this stuff? Why it seems like the day the TBTL Athon happens is the day they come up with the swag. You know? Well, you don't want to put the production run in before you know how many you're going to need and then they got to come from China. Oh god, this is I don't know. I just hate hearing about it. I don't mind, like, even if I had the swag coming, I wouldn't give a damn when it came. I just... No. I hate all the posts to the stands and the complaint. It's just, yes, it's going to come, but we know these guys. It's going to be years from now. <laughs> just pretend that you've given TBTL chocolates on an airplane. Yes. Yep. And release, release desire. desire. <laughs> and then when it gets there, it'll be a lovely surprise. Oh, absolutely. It's yep. fantastic. You get your edible Frisbee and you just... <laughs> Go to town. Wash it down with some rancid chocolate. Uh, right. I'll, 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 just because I said it, I wasn't thinking of this, but uh, not only did chocolates work both ways for me to and from Seattle, on my flight back to Boston, I had a flight attendant who was also on my flight to Seattle, remembered me, and as I was boarding, looked at me and said, oh, hey, do you have chocolates for us this time? Yeah. And then I said, well, as it happens, and she cut me off and said, oh, I was just kidding. I didn't mean to. And I said, no, of course I have chocolates for you. Oh, my God. Beautiful flights. (laughs) Beautiful flights. So uh, it works, people. It really works. I think you have to have a certain Bobby Flair. No. No, you don't. Because they know what it is. They understand what's going on. All right. Yeah. Still probably not ever going to do it. Me either. Mm-mm. All right. Uh, top story. Yelp is now flagging businesses that sue people who leave bad reviews. Uh, so leave bad reviews at your peril and sue people that leave bad reviews at your peril. And um, we agree that crazy bad reviews say less about the business and more about the person who's leaving the review. And they talk about how only strong people or people who have strong feelings, rather, will participate. And that's true. That's a statistics thing and an experimental design thing that you have to watch out when you're coming up with experiments. So you, have to, um, you have to account for selection bias or self-selection bias. Mm-hmm. 
So the interesting part about this is that Andrew uh, treats us to the story of one of his only negative reviews about this Euro place that he went to. And somebody, of course, found it and posted it on the Stens page. If you haven't seen it, you can find it. And um, I love Andrew. Even his bad reviews are so strangely kind. Yeah. <laughs> it's, he, he, like, took... He took some uh, responsibility for the bad experience. Like, I should have spoken up and asked more <laughs> questions. But uh, at the end, he described himself as legit bummed, which is <laughs> strong words. Very harsh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hope that Europlace will take it to heart. Yeah. They bummed a guy out. <laughs> Uh, at this point in the show, Ron from the Ron and Don enters, and they make the comments that there are no locks on the studio doors to keep him out. And he, he slows Ron the tells, podcast down to about normal speed. Yes, <laughs> Ron tells a, a horrible story about some deranged listener who sent them a, a bullet in the mail. Yeah. And how they have a lot of discussions about putting locks on the door and putting bulletproof glass in the windows. But in the end, nothing ever gets done once they know how much it's going to cost. Priorities. Yeah, and they, it's, uh, it is pretty easy. I mean, I don't, I don't think either one of you have been to that radio station. But yeah, it is, it, it's a secure building. But like, like Ron said, just wait for somebody to get buzzed in and you just walk in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I'd be a little concerned about security. Uh, they talk for a while about uh, teenage Andrew and his crushes, and uh, Ron tries to say that teenage Andrew was a metalhead, and this <laughs> Andrew tells of these great concerts he used to go to by bands called the Hostel Amish and the Jehovah's <laughs> Waitresses. <laughs> Which is just probably awesome. a lot more time put it into making up the band name than rehearsing actual music. <laughs> I would guess. I just what's the message there that they're trying to send? I don't know, but I love a band with good props, and uh, the butter churns on the stage really <laughs> sold me. <laughs> sure, those are. I bet those are expensive now. So many hipsters doing their own thing. Oh yeah. Yep. And then uh, Ron departs. I like that. A quick. Quick Ron hit, and then he's out of there. And they move on to an oldie moldy, old school TBTL segment, Defend Yourself. And Aaron has to defend himself against Burning Man because he is a burner and he's gone for a couple of years. And he talks about the experience and why he likes it and what kind of people go there. And my reaction is I am not convinced because I'm not interested in going anywhere where I have to bring my own toilet paper. Mm, good point. Um, I I would describe it as Thunderdome for metrosexuals. <laughs> um, I I see it. I see why people would like it. Um, it's not for me. Uh, it's not for me. I'm not entirely against places where you have to bring your own toilet paper because I like camping. Um. But um, I'm not sure that there's any level of enjoyment at Burning Man that could make up for the amount of effort you have to put into washing that sand off of you after. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How did I get sand in my urethra? God damn it. 
And um, I, I don't know if I'm accurate or not, so I'm not going to call this a sharp shoot because I think when you sharpshoot someone, you should really know what you're talking mm-hmm. about. True. But, um, and I believe he's only been once. This will be his second oh. year, I think. Oh, I thought he said a couple of years. Uh, but may- I could maybe, be wrong. maybe I'm wrong. But as a as a casual grapes of rad listener, um, uh, I believe because it was a whole arc. His whole gearing up for his first time mm-hmm. going, the life changing experience, blah blah blah. Ben. Wasn't he in prison last year when it was going on? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's nothing I hate more than podcasters with prison stories. Yeah. <laughs> Boring. Well, the pictures from Burning Man that I see make me think about like a cross between Mad Max and some neo hippies. So if that's your thing, then do it. And I did think it was very interesting that he said that it's really a barter economy. Barter and the town. only thing that yeah, the only thing that you have to pay for is ice and coffee. So it's very interesting in terms of currency. Hmm. Yeah. And if nobody has anything else, we can move to Thursday. All right. Sweet liberation. Thursday, 2178, without a plant in your car or a vessel in your mind. Sean is nervous. He's, he's, he's sweaty. Uh, something about spaghetti. And <laughs> he hasn't been on TVTL in a long time. I, I guess, mm-hmm. wasn't he on the 2000s show and that was the last? Yeah, he was on stage for the 2000s show, but that was it. Cooking yeah. with Sean, Jello and gummy fish. Cooking with Sean, we called you at eleven o'clock the night before edition. Yeah, that was yes. uh, ah, it was an ab- abomination. Um, Andrew takes the blame for Tuesday. He felt that Tuesday's show was too manic, and I guess in my case, uh, I would say manic is enough to say you don't have to say too manic because. <laughs> Manic is not a good thing. So it's not like there are degrees of manic. <laughs> right, right. Manic is manic. Uh, it's not but, like they're assless chaps. Oh gosh, you're just they're just me chaps. all over the place this, this week, Bobby. Well, that was just uh, a tie back to the uh, attire for Burning Man, so that's okay. <laughs> right. Um, the thing about uh, Tuesday's show is, at, like um, Aaron said, he's a strong flavor. That show was a very strong on Tuesday was a very strong flavor because Andrew was matching Aaron's energy, and mm-hmm. um, w- when you when you have a, a show, there needs to be some kind of a balance, or it gets you know manic, as we say. But some people really really liked it, and they might be you know the kind of people who love that kind of podcast. And I'm sure there are some podcasts out there that where it's just a mile a minute. And I I don't have any to suggest, but um, but I'm not surprised that there were some people that really liked it. I'm also not surprised that Andrew, as a broadcast professional, thought that it was a little much because uh, he's very self-critical. And I know when he does mm-hmm. these shows, he always listens back to them, and um, he's pretty sensitive to that. And nobody nobody really got harsh on the Stents page. Somebody just said like. Uh, maybe a little less coffee for Mason or something, but <laughs> they didn't even criticize Andrew. Um, Sean is making fake terrariums. That's his new hobby. He's always he always has something going on, whether it's pinatas or uh, betta fish or terrariums. Um, he's, he claims he's making fake terrariums, though. I don't know much about terrariums. Do you guys big on this hobby? Uh, I, no. I'm not at all, but... Uh, 
as I mentioned to you guys in the chat, this is a rare episode where Sam listened to a little bit of it with me because uh, we've had a busy few days and we happened to be in the car together yesterday. And uh, I listened a day late, as a lot of East Coasters do. Uh, but yesterday was just action-packed and I didn't get any time to listen. So we were driving to a friend uh, for dinner. And uh, I put this on so that I could stay on top of TBTL. And she said, there are terrarium nights now, just like paint night at bars mm-hmm. where you go. And instead of painting a picture yeah. of a sunset taught by an art school dropout, you um, you make a little terrarium while you're drinking. And uh, I've never seen that in real life before, but she swears it happens. It's true. Hmm. I, I'd like it better than the painting. Yeah, yeah me too. I could do it. At least. Right. <laughs> My big mitts wouldn't be trying to paint something. Just would look so awful. Especially because you're also floss nights would just be terrible for floss, you. I couldn't even go to floss night. I would just be <laughs> sit, sitting there, just all sad, while everyone just going to town with the floss. Um, Sean is always looking for fun stuff like that, but especially fun angles for dates. It seems like he never wants to go, at least on a first date, with some without some sort of quirky something to do or or some angle he doesn't want to sit across from someone over a drink and just talk Mm. um i you you got to be careful with that you can't take it from quirky to weird on a first date (laughs) (laughs) unless she's similarly weird but i i understand his impulse to be fun and different but let's let's not freak her out Mm -hmm. yeah there there are upsides and downsides that it there there's ice breaking and then there's ice making. <laughs> um, that we're 19 minutes into a, a two hour or, or uh, hour 26 minute show, and uh, Mason must have been bouncing around in the hallway trying to trying to get that door open. And since there's no lock, he got in, <laughs> and then we had him for the rest of the show. Um, but um, Sean has uh, more of a, a steady energy, so it didn't get. As, as out of control manic. Um, Chad's also a, a seasoned TBTL hand. He might be a little rusty, but you know, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Yep. He knows, he knows his audience and yeah. they did a seven deadly sins of interviewing, which um, seemed like something that might've been better saved for Luke mm-hmm. uh, because he has a lot more experience and stuff like that. I mean, Andrew had his own show and did a lot of interviewing and I think he was pretty good at it. He might even be better than Luke. But at least at that point, he was. Luke is much better now with all of his live wire experience. But when you find a piece of paper laying around in the radio station that has a story about deadly sins of interviewing, you can't sit on that. No. Right. That's 20 minutes of content. Right there. Um, I looked up this guy, by the way, who wrote the trademarked Seven Deadly Sins of Interviewing. Uh, it's a guy named John Sawatsky. That'd be my guess. John Sawatsky, he actually works for ESPN full time. He just bounces around ESPN affiliate to affiliate, I guess, giving these mm-hmm. talks. Uh, oh, gotcha. So, so yeah. like he is a house ringer for them. He has been for a long time, but uh, he's got a Wikipedia page and he's all about uh, these uh, interviewing techniques and such because I, I, I'm just curious when he's going to get to the sideline reporters because those are some of the worst interviews I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. Well, you get. 30 seconds with a pissed off coach who's down 31 to seven at halftime, you know, that's a a rough go. I don't think that, uh, interview skills are necessarily always at the top of the requirements for a sideline (laughs) reporter. No, I just, even when you get a winning quarterback, how do you feel? (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. What's it like to win? Yeah, I think there are some good sideline reporters, but it's it's a majority not yeah. good. But I'm glad that there are things going on at these radio stations, like someone coming in and uh, giving a talk about uh, interviewing and you know interacting with with the hosts and trying to improve their skills that will make the radio more listenable because. I know in commercial radio now, a lot of times consultants come through and it's all about, um, you know, super serving the P1s and dazzling details, Mm -hmm. you know, all this bullshit. Like, let's mention all the different towns, you know, around Seattle. Make sure you mention Bothell, uh, you know, make sure you mention Redmond and uh, Stillicum and just come on. You know, it all sounds so phony when the hosts do it. So... You know, some time spent thinking about how to do a better interview is actually a better use of their non-air time, I think. Yeah. Um, there is a quiz, uh, Harry Potter or a plant, right? That's what it was? Mm-hmm. Uh, not for me, but... Not to brag, but I got 100% on that. <laughs> because you're an expert on both or just a Harry Potter? Uh, I've read all the Harry Potters in it. I mean, I'm no Christy Wise. I don't have a Harry Potter tattoo, but I enjoyed Harry Potter. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the plants don't really sound that much like Harry Potter character names. No. Not to brag, but I made it through that entire quiz without Sam turning off the car radio. <laughs> and she's a Harry Potter fan. Not not to the level. She's not a Christy. I mean, that right. that's reserved fandom, but... Uh, she's seen them all and I think read many of them or whatever. And, you know, whereas I have, I have a certain set of movies where this happens to me. Harry Potter is one. Um, the Pirates of the Caribbean movies is one where I'll walk into the living room and see 20 minutes of one of the movies, but I have no idea which one. Right. Uh, at least with Harry Potter, his aging helps me realize where in the series we probably oh, are. Right. Sure. But otherwise I'm clueless. So I don't know what the plot is to any of them. I just know that they all sort of happen, and there's usually magic-y hijinks going on. I could figure out some of the ones that were plants just because I have some sort of, like, science-y things in my mind where, you know, you can you can see where it's a, more of a science term than a whimsical term thought up by whoever wrote Harry Hobbit. Um <laughs> But yeah, that was a that was a rough go. Andrew does a push up, so I'm wrong. I have to admit I'm wrong. There, there. I guess at least Andrew is somewhat committed to the hundred push up challenge. But Sean, I'm pretty sure was mistaken. And can the archivists, the historians, back me up on this? Sean and Nikki's push up thing was not anything to do with the hundred push up challenge. It was just Nikki no. challenging Sean. Am I right? It Andy? was the Battle of Beast Lake. It was Battle of Beast Lake. And, and it was the most ridiculous thing. I don't know why we haven't done this. Have we, have we done it for a Friday show, the, the clip, where Sean, uh, Sean would have had a chance against her, but he practiced at home earlier. And <laughs> like he doesn't understand physical fitness or exercise at muscle all. Muscle fatigue. Yes, muscle fatigue. Right. I, that was amazing to me, and and I, that was one of the many times when I could feel uh, Luke's. I don't know about about uh, Jennifer, but Luke was really frustrated with Sean about <laughs> when he found that out. It's like well, any chance they he bet had on was it. gone. Yeah, he did. Right. Yeah, they, Luke and Jen made a wager, and 
Luke bet on Sean. Yeah. And to find out he left he left like 60 push-ups at home earlier that day. Well, Sean left it in the stable. That was his own fault. Yeah. Um, if I'm wrong, Christy's going to throw her Zune across the room and I'm going to have to buy her a new one. But I don't think anyone has done the push-ups episode, uh, the Beast Lake episode, as a Friday show. So if anyone wants to, drop us a line because uh, we'd be glad to have you and have that as an episode. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, then there's an ask Sean anything, uh, to which the most interesting question was about, uh, his, his mental state, uh, post mixtape meltdown, which I, I wasn't aware of. I guess he, Mm-mm. he was having some, some personal issues and he, uh, podcasted alone. We've, we've warned you, we've told you all don't never podcast alone. Yeah. And it was so bad that he pulled it days later uh did either one of you hear this show no i i knew that he's had um various concerns about his drinking they've talked about that a little bit off and on but i did not know that this had happened yeah me neither Hmm. um see he's made a compote recently and he's preparing for a segment he didn't seem to be aware at all of uh andrew's um what exactly Andrew is as far as a picky eater, he thought it was more like an allergy situation or, you know, um, an intolerant situation. Andrew had to explain to him that, no, he just eats like a child. <laughs> he can't have anything creamy. No creamy, no cheese. And then Sean <laughs> says, well, I've got this great fake cheese. And right. I was like, no, Sean, that's not the point. <laughs> yeah. So I look forward to him uh, not having listened very carefully to these instructions and coming up with something that Andrew probably can't eat anyway. I've no, I have not looked forward to a cooking with Sean segment more than I am for this one next week because it might be something that Andrew just flat out refuses to eat. Um, what else? Uh, they talk about, uh, Sean talks about, I believe the drug he's talking about is Xanax. He got put on its anti-depression medication um, which I have been diagnosed uh, at one point with with some depression, and I did take Xanax, and it it does dull the f out of you, and mm-hmm. it really does um, kill your libido. I think, like the first night I took it, I think I don't know, I was masturbating for like forty five minutes, and then I said <laughs> I got to stop taking this medication. <laughs> I just have to applaud you for finding a way to make that funny. Because I was sitting here thinking to myself, I don't have a good punchline for depression. It's a serious issue. Uh, but anytime- I decided I'd rather be slightly depressed at that point in my life than not be able to come. So. You're sure it wasn't just because... Sorry, Aiden. I'm so sorry. Sorry, oh, sorry for the adult I, I, themes. Uh, are you sure it's not just because you're old? Uh, no, no. I've, I've never never had a problem. Eight okay. to ten minutes. Uh, eight to eleven minutes. Really. Right. Well, we were just discussing this. But who's counting? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all about uh, how long that round trip to Joanne Fabrics is, right? Yeah. She says. <laughs> I just like to say that I'm not part of this conversation, people. <laughs> yeah, if you're depressed, get help. There are other drugs to take besides Xanax. Yeah. Uh, I was actually really pleased to hear that he's in therapy. Uh, It's one of Mm -hmm. these things where I always think to myself, I don't feel like I necessarily need therapy, but I feel like everyone could benefit from therapy. Uh, 
seems like an hour to talk about yourself and get minimal uh, mm-hmm. guiding feedback might not be the worst thing for everyone to just be self-reflective a little bit more. Yeah, I think it's I think it's definitely uh, worth trying. I've I've been in counseling for different reasons, maybe three or four times in my life, and it's mostly positive. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going today. There you go. All right, then. Mm-hmm. Anne recommends. Anne's going to have to explain uh, uh, Joanne Fabrick's related story to her therapist today. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going to move to Friday. It's mine again. Conical bra situations. Uh, Andrew didn't know what conical meant. which I thought Oh, my goodness. It was a, a whole, kind of a hole in the his game. But. It was conical. Uh, I think it means shaped like a cone. <laughs> That was uh, she was gentle with him there. She didn't like mm-hmm. say, "Yeah, dummy." Um, there's another apology from Andrew this time for the second half of Thursday's show, but I didn't notice any problem with the second half of Mm-mm. Thursday's show. Yeah, so. well, just that that quiz kind of dragged on. But other than yeah, that, yeah, I mean, yeah. it wasn't manic though. That was the right. You know, that was what he was apologizing for for Tuesday. So he just uh, he beats himself up a little too much. Yeah. Yep. Um, Genevieve's job. I want to talk about this. Uh, I have a question for you, Bobby. Is is it common for the president of a university, because you've been involved in like university government and stuff, um, to have a full-time speechwriter? Uh, yeah, whether or not they have that title. I mean, I don't know on the grand scheme of things, but actually uh, one of the stops that we made while we were in Washington uh, was to have lunch with the now-retired former president of my university, the university at Buffalo. He lives out on the Olympic Peninsula. And uh, he and I were relatively close as far as students and presidents of universities can get, uh, because I was on the board of trustees for the university for a year. There's a student seat. Um, And uh, he had someone who whose title wasn't speechwriter, but he was a communications person who was essentially assigned to staff him. And so, yeah, I mean, and it's because that job comes with a lot of um, a lot of public face time. There's a lot of initiative announcements and appearances at activities for the university and appearances at activities for other things. You know, uh, when John Simpson, the guy who I met with, the old UB president, who actually was a longtime Husky uh, and the dean of the College of Arts and Sciences at UW and uh, was in contention at one point for a president position at UW um, a while ago now. Um, You know, he used to have to go to stuff for like when the city of Buffalo would announce a new building thing because we were building a new campus in the city or the county. He made a lot of appearances with the governor. In fact, a lot of what we were reminiscing about is um, UB was on the brink of announcing some really big sweeping uh, building for the future projects with Elliot Spitzer when he was governor of New York. And he and Elliot Spitzer had a huge press conference together. And then the next morning is when Elliot Spitzer got busted for his prostitution Oof. scandal. And it, it wiped away years of progress. Mm. <laughs> That's sad. For the university's planning. But, uh, you know, so you end up going to all this stuff and doing all these events. And so, yeah, you just have to talk a lot. And so it doesn't surprise me at all. Um It's sort of like being a politician on the campaign trail. I'm sure there's a lot of stump speech stuff that you swap in and out and you do a lot of repeating, but just the logistics of building and personalizing Mm -hmm. each of those and saying the right thing for the right places at the right time and the research into all of that, because, you know, a lot of what 
university president say gets quoted in news articles and stuff like that. Um, it doesn't surprise me at all. And I'm incredibly jealous of Genevieve's job. It sounds like something I would really enjoy. And mm-hmm. it makes sense that she feels like she has to have such a personal connection to the work because you're going to eat, sleep and breathe it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, w- I would be curious if we ever have her on, I really want to get into it about um, what was her speech writing experience leading up to this? I mean, working in public relations, was she writing, was she just flat out writing speeches for people at the corporation that won't be named um because this is a this is a serious whatever you job. do I mean, don't don't bing job. it <laughs> you, you'll never find job. it if you bing it so i don't know this is this is my thing it's it's like i want to have ron for like a phyllis style while we have you and yeah and get totally into it but uh she's not debate team material because she 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 doesn't want to write a speech for someone she's not all on board with. It, it's not like that, uh, like uh, gun control, yes or no. You know, she's not going. She's not going to take the side. She's not. You know, she can't do that. She can't be a hired gun, which I I totally respect. Yeah, we used to assign that kind of stuff. You know, for journalism writing workshops, mm-hmm. write write anything you want for an editorial and then ha jokes on you next week, write the opposing case. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> um, just to do it to people all the time and, and really good editorial writers know how to construct and then deconstruct the opposing argument in their argument. So you sort of learn how to do that so that you can make your argument stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be hard with the university to come out and write a whole speech about how the children are not your future. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. They, um, they get the ashtrays that some, someone has procured what they think are close to matching ashtrays at this point, Bobby, I assume you did a lot of research trying to find the right ashtrays uh, as well. Right? I put a little bit of time into it, but I saved most of my research for the deep dark web stuff that nobody else is working on. And I think there was a whole army of tens working on the ashtrays. Yeah. Um, they, the, it's the show picture for Friday and they're, they're cute. I, I just, since uh, I grew up in a house where my mom smoked and she smoked constantly. Uh, when I finally broke free of that, I don't want anything that looks like smoking in my house, smells like smoking. I mean, Mm-mm. I would rather you come into my house and fart nonstop <laughs> for an hour <laughs> than smoke a cigarette within, you know, 25 feet of my house. I just, ashtrays have no appeal for me. Those are really awesome. They look great, but... I'm out on the ashtrays. Uh, there's a push update. Um, Genevieve, uh, I think, agrees with the other guys that he's he he's not doing real push-ups. And and when you're talking about real push-ups, man, those are really rough. You know, with the the arms held in. Um, push-ups were kind of a big deal in prison, as you've seen in many movies, of, of course. Like. Uh, a lot of guys like to work out, and then when something happens like a lockdown and you're in your cell for three days, four days a week, um, mm. you have to do something else, you know, besides go out to the yard and work out. So there's a lot of push-ups being done. Jeff and I, my celly Jeff, we, um, the the two guys that were next to us, uh, I can't remember the name of one of the guys, but the other one was, was named Bob. And when they would bet all the time, they would play cards and they would bet, they would bet push-ups and time would come to have to pay off the push-ups. And when the guy whose name I can't remember would 
when, uh, and Bob would be down there doing push-ups. This is during a lockdown. We could hear this guy yelling at Bob. What he would do is he would slam his inmate ID down right underneath Bob's nose while he was doing the push-ups, and he would scream at the top of his lungs to be heard all over the tier, get down and fuck the floor like you fuck them little boys, Bob. And that rings out in my mind anytime anyone is doing push-ups. So that's prison's gift to me is that crazy neighbor of ours screaming at this nice guy, Bob, who never fucked any little boys. That's not what you go to federal prison for. But, uh, wow, it's a strong memory. Not a great one. There you go. Uh, story. Yes. I'd like to think that if you do go to federal <laughs> prison for that, you don't last very long. So if this guy no. was <laughs> right. around no long that, enough for a push-up contest. No one believed that Idaho Bob did anything like yeah. that. Uh, Bob was a very nice gentleman. Um, he was a very nice inmate. Very nice inmate. Uh, opening ceremonies of the Olympics. Um, they're both pretty anti-Olympics. Genevieve, I think, more than Andrew. Andrew likes the Winter Olympics because they're sliding on stuff. <laughs> I really appreciate that, but then I remember that the Winter Olympics are for rich people. They really are. It's a way for rich people to get some medals. Yeah. You know, so In the Summer Olympics, the only thing the rich people can do to get all kinds of medals is to make sure that there are 4,000 different swimming events. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so white white folks can can win some. They stuff. can row, right? That's the true. That's row. true. White folks, white rich folks, row. And as someone who works very close to the boathouses for a lot of the Boston colleges, uh, boy, do they! <laughs> <laughs> so, well, uh, I agree with everything that Genevieve said. All her criticisms about the corruption mm-hmm. and the human rights violations or abuses. But I love the Olympics. I don't care. And I have no interest in any of those sports at any other time mm-hmm. in the four years in between. But you, man, you if you're I. You're not subscribing to expensive cable to watch water polo matches the other no, three and a half I, years? I am not. But I, if I turn the TV on, say, uh, in a half an hour from now, I'll be like, ooh, the Peloton. It's the bike races. <laughs> you are the NBC P1. Yep. For this. I really am. I don't know what it is. I I just I really enjoy it. I love the weird sports and I love the people getting a shot at their dreams. Yeah. I love the 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 nationality of it, like the patriotism of it. I've always loved mm-hmm. that. I love my country. What can I say? Yeah. I don't love guns, but I love my country. <laughs> I'm just waiting uh, for Bob Costas to go for a swim in that disgusting poop water uh, <laughs> to prove to the world that it's safe. That's that seems like a lot of hyperbole. Like Genevieve was saying that people are going to die or whatever. So I, I guarantee that she and most people have been in worse water than that in the last six months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. it's, it's called the wave pool at any water park. <laughs> it's so gross. <laughs> They're just trying to get out ahead. Just, you know, warn, warn, warn. That way, if anything does happen, they can say they, they, they warned them. Honestly, under that water is the one place you're not going to get stung by a Zika mosquito. So right. sure, keep keep under, <laughs> keep that water from standing. Keep, keep flailing around yep. and swimming in it, so they're not breeding on you. Um, yeah, I I don't think anyone's going to die from the poop water. I I think there might be some babies with tiny heads, no, oh. coming out of some vaginas in in a, in a few months, but um. The Olympic symbol, they didn't say that these were top stories, but uh, Olympic symbol from the 94 
Olympics, some Olympic symbol of it. I tried to research it. I couldn't figure out what this stick figure had to do with the Olympics, but it was scraped up by some kids who were trying to clean it, I guess, trying to make it look better. Um, I don't know. I didn't have anything on this. Yeah. Some 5,000-year-old carving. <laughs> stupid <laughs> kids doing stupid things. And I just like that they've withheld the ages, so we don't know if they were 6 or 16, because that's right. a really mm-hmm. different crime at 16. It's more charming when they're little kids. I guess it was stick figures of people on skis, so you can only assume that they were they were white. Um, <laughs> right, right. And so the kids were like, this, these, these people look too dark to be skiing. And so they're going to clean it. Yeah. They're going to clean this up. Ain't going to be no brown people's game. Uh, Xavier uh, University gets a pizza ATM, which it's an APM, really. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, You're the resident mass production pizza expert. Uh, This seems relatively reasonable, right? I mean, it's basically just popping a Frozen-esque. Yeah pizza and throwing it in a hot box for three minutes i'm sure this shit has been happening in europe for 15 years in japan right they characterized it as just a vending machine rather than a a a atm but i don't vending machines don't normally cook things so i think it's a step beyond vending Mm -hmm. but uh but i understand their point about it's not an atm because it doesn't give you money ATMs yeah. also don't usually cook things, so right. This is a new classification of of Wally fat people food feeding. So the headline led them to talk about how Facebook is battling uh, the clip clickbaits, the things like you know the answer might surprise you or whatever. I am kind of fed up with Facebook right now. I'm a little mad because every time we put a show out, not every time, but often we'll put a show out and. I'll get a notice from Facebook saying this post is performing better than all your other posts. Why not um, pay some money and show it to some more people when they did, they don't even show our posts to everyone who likes our page to start with. Yep. And that is so angry making. These people have signed up. You people who are listening to this have signed up. You want to know what's going on with our show. You liked our page and Facebook saying, eh, we'll make them pay for that. Fuck. You, Facebook. Sorry. And uh, the amount of money I pay for Facebook, I mean, I should be getting way, way better <laughs> service from them. Yeah. Um, emails about terrariums, uh, Stranger Things, I uh, love sharing a, a font. I love a good font conversation, but I haven't examined this. Yeah, I almost did last night, but I didn't quite. And did you put any work in on that? It's definitely an 80s font, but I, I didn't get out a choose-your-own-adventure book. No. I, <laughs> I, we just started Stranger Things, and I never looked at or cracked a choose-your-own-adventure book. I think that was a little bit after my time of, of uh, kid reading. Um, then there's just uh, music for your weekend. Y'all know how I feel about that. So unless uh, Did you want to say what they were? Um, I did write them down this time, and I want to okay. start by asking Anne why she thinks the song Trumpets by Jason Derulo is bullshit. Trumpets is bullshit because he doesn't even use trumpets in it. They just play that fake-ass synthesizer thing that doesn't even sound the tiniest bit like a trumpet. Goodness. It really hacks me off. 
if you're going to have a song and you're going to call it Trumpets, and you're going to make a big deal about how you hear trumpets when your lady takes her clothes off, then use some real trumpets, for God's sake. <laughs> I love it. I love your passion. Yep. Uh, that said, I think trumpets is a jam. <laughs> uh, 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 it's a good song, uh, for trivia, anyway. Uh, trumpets by Jason Derulo, followed by NAF, uh, Nice as Fuck, the song Door. It's a Jenny Lewis project. I love Jenny Lewis. I love everything she does. And so that made me really happy. And then uh, Chaka Demas and Pliers. Uh, this is a reggae group I'm not particularly familiar with. But it doesn't matter because the song is called Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, that's a three out of three music for your weekend. <laughs> it's starting to become, Murder, She Wrote is starting to become what cheese is to me. Anytime anybody runs across something, they're going to be bringing it to you. Yep. That's fine. Bring it on. Somebody posted a picture to the Stens page of a bookshelf full of those Murder, She Wrote books I talked about recently. <laughs> And the names actually get even worse than the ones oh, that Sam had. <laughs> um, let's go on to some housekeeping. Uh, we've already talked about some ways to help us out of some jams. Um, you know, we really haven't been talking about it, and I don't want to jinx that. But uh, in addition to stickers, the 10 and LRB stickers, we, we do have an option for web, uh, donations on our website at littlewebbandwagon.com. Uh, and we greatly appreciate those of you who are helping us offset the costs of uh, hosting and not buying Facebook promoted messages. Uh, <laughs> you know, Jesus. it's yeah. It's, we're, uh, d- trust me, we'll never spend your money on that. Yeah, ever. <laughs> so uh, we appreciate that. And if you're looking to help us out of a couple of jams, that's the place to do it. And by a couple, I mean any amount of jams that you see appropriate. <laughs> right, even half a jam, quarter yeah, we'll jam. Take it. <laughs> Fifth of a jam is actually a pretty nice round number. Yeah, that is. That's nice. That's a a fifth of a jam a month would be like an Obama donation. <laughs> right. uh, uh, did you see somewhere posted? I don't know if it's true or not, but apparently the Trump website donation tool won't let you cancel recurring donations. Mm, I love oh. that. You set for life, no matter how the election turns out. I'm shocked. Uh, you can also go to littleredbandwagon.com to, to sign up to let us know you'd like to be on a Friday show. And like I said, somebody jump on that push-ups beast like episode. That's a good one. Uh, if you've submitted in the past and we haven't had you on, submit again and either put the episode you put before or if it's one we've used or think we've used, put a different one. Or if you're open to options, let us know uh, because we're always trying to widen the Say net. something really complimentary about me. Yeah, and then Mike <laughs> will notice. <laughs> um. Christy still has a dream of being current with the archive by September 1st. It's a dream in our own time. It is a tall order, but we could use your help. Um, well, she didn't say what year. <laughs> and can't do it all herself. That's our point. Mm, um, especially now because she's got a jam tracker. Right. She's got all this other homework. I have butter tarts to yeah. make. <laughs> and figure out how to ship to Rhode Island. Um so the archive project, uh, reach out to us if you're interested in helping with that. And we haven't talked about it recently, but at some point we had talked about all of us hosts contributing something of our local flavor uh, into a gift basket that we were going to randomly pick to give to an archivist or do some sort of raffle or something. So um, we'll have Christy do that and she can pick herself. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's next door, Little Red Bandwagon. God. And maybe it is an LRB uh, raffle, but you get one chance to win for every uh, episode you've archived. Okay, Ooh. yeah. I'll, 
I'll take myself out of it. Yeah. All right. So, like you should. We'll make sure it's none of us who went, uh, especially because Mike did archive one episode. I did. So, so I have par- a little p- part of a torn piece of paper in there. <laughs> but uh, magically, I win a day at the pool with my family. Uh, I'm saying it and making it so. Uh, so we will all come up with something that is a uh, mine will probably be coffee milk. I'm just saying mm-hmm. now uh, we'll Bugs. put together a great prize for someone. So uh, more on that to come. The Chateau Saint Michel picnic is coming up on August 31st. There is a Facebook event that was launched by Tier. Um, as I've mentioned, I'm going to be in Texas earlier in the month, but I still have my fingers crossed. I'm I'm trying to figure out a way that I can also be in Seattle for the picnic. But everyone should go. Picnic was so great last year. And uh, it's great every year. But the grounds at Chateau Saint-Michel are beautiful. And also, uh, don't forget about the part where you go into the gift shop and buy a nice bottle of wine and then go out and sit on the grass and drink it, which was amazing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, And also, uh, while we're talking about scheduling, um, Friday, August 26th will be uh, an LRB meetup in Dallas uh, hosted by me and Meredith. Um, and the location is to be determined, but it is looking probable that it will be at Meredith's house. So if you're looking to stalk us, come to Dallas for the meetup on Friday, August 26th. There's an event in the Dallas tens or the Tex tens, Texas tens page. Uh, and as we get closer, I'll share that in the LRB page as well. Get involved. Little red bandwagon.com, Facebook, little red bandwagon, Stens page, Twitter, LRB podcast, email little red bandwagon at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail at yo, this is Wagoneer Lauren. Word on the street is the LRB isn't getting many voicemails, and it's probably because their number doesn't have a catchy jingle, so I wrote a rap about it. Well, my name is Lauren, and I'm here to say the LRB needs your calls in a major way. You've got Meredith and Bobby and Mike Frizzell, and while Christy's on sabbatical, there's Anne as well. They're all patiently waiting for the phone to ring with your episode submissions. It don't cost a thing. Just dial 802-432-TBTL. That's 802-432-TBTL. 802-432-TBTL. 8285's the last four digits if you dummies can't spell. Peace. And uh, Nerd Out Loud, uh, they did an episode pre-wedding. I don't know if they're doing one tonight to get back on track post-wedding. But if you aren't caught up with Nerd Out Loud, make sure you are. The last episode from a couple of weeks ago with Kevin Farewell giving them a pre-Cana quiz. Pre-marriage thing. It might be one of the best episodes of Nerd Out Loud ever made. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And he kept saying that the points don't matter. And Christy was so hung up on the points. (laughs) That is Christy. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, when Farewell brings it, he brings it. And that was 100%. I really, that was great. Uh, and with that, uh, Anne, why don't you get us out of here? Until next time, this is the next party. We love you, Jim. Nailed it. All right. Yeah, scrolling back, the only note I wish I'd gotten to was that Andrew gives a full-hearted endorsement of Says You. (laughs) Oh, my God. That is all that program. (laughs) Yeah, I've I've run by it like five times in my life. Just awful. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, that's all. That got harsh in the recap.